Welcome to the Tech 92 Podcast. My name is Sammy Warmhands. I am your host. And today I am pleased to welcome back for the third time my friend Illogic from Columbus, Ohio. We're going to talk about all the records he's dropped in the years since he's been on the show, as well as our many collaborations that have popped up in the meantime. But mostly we're going to break down his new self-produced full-length album, Autopilot. This is Illogic. How you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? Good. I just got off work. Now that I work from home, all I have to do is just turn my chair 90 degrees and I'm at the studio. <laughs> yeah, that's how it is for me. I'm at the same desk every day. Yeah, it's, it's kind of great. Get a lot of work done. Yeah. It's been a long time. Yeah, it's been a while, man. How you been? It's been uh, all kinds of craziness, you know? Just, uh, yeah, I saw um, a couple family members of yours that passed, and uh, my condolences, man. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I think, uh, God, since December, uh, my, my grandpa, my aunt, my cousin, just one after another, it's been a wild ride, and it's like one thing after another, and so you don't really, you don't really process like it's real, because it's the chaos of the world is hitting you one day after another, and so it's just been a nonstop year i don't know it's it's weird yeah very surreal you know with the covid stuff on top of it it's, i'm sure it's crazy exactly yeah i'm I'm glad to be uh pretty isolated from all that stuff now my wife still works with the public but she's got a lot of precautions in place how's your fam everybody's good man me and my wife are working from home my kids are enjoying their summer as much as they can i'm getting a lot of work done dude it's insane what you're getting done it is insane and that's coming from me i'm known for dropping a lot but wow like i was just putting together my notes because it's been about three years i think since i had you on the show the first time well no the second time because you were actually on the the idea episode in the beginning right right. yeah but man i was looking at you just been dropping nonstop. you're in like one of the most productive phases ever probably right now yeah, it's interesting. I mean, like, with me producing and stuff now, too, it's just taking on a life of its own. How's the uh, most infamous Super Duty Tough work? Awesome. Uh, we just recorded the next episode today. Oh, I did that earlier. It's really impressive to me, the consistency of your show. I mean, every single week. I think there was only one time you guys ever took a break, and it was super short always coming with the content like i don't know how you guys come up with new shit every week and then deliver that strong man like it's consistently really really good man like you you guys impress me for the the work ethic involved especially now that you got video yeah it's it's wild man like doing the podcast it's crazy because like me and print we talk anyway <laughs> yeah you know what I mean? so now that we're doing the podcast we'll record the episode but you know like before the episode and after episode, like, we talked for at least, like, an hour previously just preparing for the show and then just sharing with each other what we're working on and things that we're trying. And it's, like, a really dope, idiotic relationship that me and Print have developed since doing the podcast because the podcast is kind of putting the light of fire under our ass, you know? Yeah. Like, we can't be talking about this stuff if we don't do it, you know what I mean? So... The fact that stuff that we're talking about, it kind of puts us in a position where we kind of have to act on 
Yeah, that's true, because I guess there's a bit of self-reflection in that. I mean, so much of what you're talking about is stuff that directly affects us and the world that we're a part of, you know? Right. So in that three years, we've actually done uh, some collabs, too. I wanted to touch on, uh, you did a couple tracks on my Figures of Speech album. Yes, yes. When you kind of started making beats, I mean, semi-early in that period... I picked out that one that became the song called Current uh, that I really just loved the drums in that. It had such a great vibe. And then the closer, the double album, so the, the final, final song, you got the last verse in that track, On My Way. And that was really, really a special song for me. Where again, like the, um, it was one of those, like I had never really got to do a song where I did some reflection on you know, like my career as a artist, you know what I'm saying? And it was one of those that I needed to write, but I didn't know I needed to write until I wrote it kind of songs. <laughs> I know? love that. And, uh, yeah, like it was, it was really dope. I was very glad that you asked me to be on that track and it turned out really fresh. Like I love the hook. I love everything about that song. I really wanted to button it up with a song that was very much like, if somehow this is my last record, I want to be okay with what I've put out and feel good about my accomplishments. And I had kind of made peace with like, well, you know, I don't make a living from this, but looking back, I am super grateful for everything that I got. And I thought, you know, as somebody who is an iconic lyricist in so many ways, but also not necessarily like a household name, I just thought like, he's got to be the dude, you know, and you just came with such a great, like you said, a reflection on it. Yeah, man, like, it's, it's interesting because I know we're going to talk about it more, but my whole thing with creating the Autopilot album was back when I recorded Celestial Clockwork, what, I was 18, 19, recording that, 20. I told myself that for my last album that I do, I'm going to produce it. Yeah. And it was really cool in the process of creating this record that, you know, I was thinking like, if this was the last piece of music that people have to hear from me, would I be satisfied with it? You know yes, what I'm saying? And yes. that's why I put all the work into it that I did, you know, like really just diving into really learning how to produce and learning how my voice sounds and learning how to mix. Cause I mixed the whole album as well. That's impressive. And, I was like, going to ask about that. Yeah, like just making sure that if this was the last thing, which is not, you know what I'm saying? But if this was the last thing, like I had to go into it with that mindset in order to make it what I think it has become. And I think it's one of the best albums in my catalog. You can hear that when you listen to it. The amount of care in every detail, the hunger in it. It's funny that you and I had this same sort of mentality going into it of just like, you know, for whatever different reasons going, this needs to be a statement that I can be proud of if I have to walk away. I mean, everything you're proud of and, and you it's part of your growth as an artist, but those rare ones where you can really feel like, right. yes, I did it right, this one. Yeah, it's different, man. It's a, it's, a whole, it's a whole different mindset. Like, one of the things that I've been really big on in the last, you know, really like since this whole COVID thing happened is um, I read this book, um, and it's one of, I think it's on our um, Super Duty book list, um, but uh, 
finances based on how you think about yourself and what you're doing. And, you know, the whole book is just about understanding how your thoughts influence the things that happen in your life. And, you know, just from then on, I was, I've been on this thing like, if I think I can do it, then I can do it. It may take some work to accomplish it, but if I put the thoughts in my mind that I can accomplish this thing, whatever it is, I can eventually get there if I have the discipline and I have the, the wherewithal to make sure that I'm doing the things to make sure that I accomplish my goal. Like I can always accomplish my goal as long as my mind is right. Yeah, the, the perspective is so huge. You know, that's something I learned last year, you know, maybe a year after my record had come out. You know, I didn't tour on it at all. And I made this other uh, record with my punk band that I was really proud of. And we just did a, a short tour and I thought, I'm spending more time at home and yet I'm happier than I was before. And I sort of reevaluated my priorities a bit and started to feel the gratitude for the things that I do have that are so rare and so lucky, you know, just shed those old expectations from my 20s. And it's just an amazing thing how much you really can change your circumstance just by allowing yourself to escape those trappings of what you thought it should be or, or or what you can and can't do. It's kind of crazy when you think about it, the careers, you know, we've had with music and the tours and the grind of it and getting to a point where we're more back into the reason that we started is doing it for the love of it. Yes. Not necessarily like I have to pay my bills or, you know, like being able to really look at your art as something that you love and not as much as something that you're dependent on. It's crazy. And shout out to all the that like do music full time and that is their bread and butter. And they do have to think about paying their bills and shit like that. But, you know, there's something to be said about having the freedom of doing your art because you love your art, not because you have to do your art in order to reach some kind of goal that you have to achieve. There's a lot of freedom in that, too. You know, we don't really have to answer to anybody. We can do what the fuck we want. Right. Yeah, it's a different thing. Another thing I wanted to mention was uh, a track that we were both featured on called Come Closer with J1. Dude hit me up on Instagram, I don't know, beginning of this year, and I recorded something for it. And he's like, yo, I gotta, I'm going to have a Logic jump on this, too. And I'm like, oh, shit, yeah, that's great. <laughs> Yeah, that was really fun, and that was a really, really dope song, man. And it was it was a very timely song, too. Like, you know, like, just the the feel of it, and, um, like, the production was really dope. And, yeah, just, it was a it was a feel-good track. You know, we were talking about some really cool shit, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was very dope. He kind of, like, explained the concept to me just in, like, a paragraph before he had written anything. And so I recorded first, right? And then I listened to you later and I was like, oh man, I think I went too hard on it, like energy wise. Because <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, none yeah. of us had hurt no, each other, I but I, I think it I turned think, out good. I think the cool thing about that track is that all of us came at it in a different light. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. 
I was kind of the middle ground, and you were like pretty hype, and J1 was like kind of subdued, and it worked. Yeah, it's one of those where everyone had a different kind of flavor, but we're all on topic. Right. It's funny, because to me, like a bar out kind of rapper who does like a topic song, like intentionally, like I chose a topic that I'm going to write on, is like the easiest way to make a whack song to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> with, right. Like, like usually I just sit down and write and whatever I'm feeling at the moment comes out, you know? And so sometimes I listen to people and it's like, all right, I'm going to do a song about politics. I'm going to do a song about relationships. And it's just like, you can just tell it feels like they're drawing it out of a hat or something like I needed a subject today, you know? But, uh, that was, yeah. that was one of those ones that just came together really naturally. Yeah, and I think J1, he was definitely very um, pleased with what we came up with, and I hooked him up with the publicist to, you know, kind of get it out there a little bit, and, you know, he was super excited about it, so. Yeah, he was hitting me up with, like, uh, first week numbers and second week numbers and shit, and I was like, damn, I I don't look at anything on Spotify and, and stuff like that, just, it's not really my wheelhouse, so I, I thought that was cool that people were actually hearing it. Right, yeah, it was. So you got just a chunk of records that have come out in this uh, last couple years since we spoke. I put you on my top 10 albums of the year for a change in mantra. Yeah, you did. You did. I appreciate that. Yeah, man. I Yesterday, I listened to a change in mantra again, and then I listened to autopilot again twice. <laughs> uh, just <laughs> It's interesting because they so build off each other i feel like it's almost like mm -hmm. you did the capture the sun or whatever you did the preparing for capture eps you know right it almost feels like you're coming from the same place but it's it was the appetizer you know yeah again you sound really really hungry it starts out really strong i think the title track it's just a memorable song. Like you're coming with stuff that needs to be said. You can feel like there's an urgency and a passion in in what you're coming with on this record. Yeah, Change of Mantra was it was one of those moments in time where, as a writer, I'm sure you've been in this position where the stuff that you're writing feels like it's the stuff that you should be writing at the time in your life that you're yeah. writing it. You know, like the things that are coming out of you are things that you also need to reaffirm about how you're doing things and where you are in your life and the path that you're on. And it was really like one of those records that were written at a time that I needed to write that stuff. Like all of those songs were necessary songs for me to continue and get to where I am, you know, even today. I also mixed that album too. Oh wow. And DJ Criminal sent me all the stems and I did all the mixing for most of the songs. I think there was two songs that I didn't mix on the album. But, um, yeah, like, it was really, like, one of those almost preparatory records to get people, like, more listening to me in a different light, you know? And now that I have my hands on so many parts of my music now, I can really express to the listener what I want to express, how I want it to be heard, you know what I'm saying? Like, all of those things are super important to me and always have been. But now that I can actually, you know, put my hand on some of those things, like, it's, it's definitely changed my outlook on how I create music these days as well. 
there's something to be said about a great collaboration and mm-hmm. the things that you can pull out of each other that you wouldn't normally have done on your own. But yeah. there is something so liberating about just being able to tinker and experiment and kind of see the beginning of a vision and the direction that it's headed and just pursue it as far as you can take it through just self-exploration. I love that process. Oh, yeah, it's, it's great, man. Like, it's funny because when people hear autopilot, I don't think it sounds like anything that is out or has been out. And interestingly enough, like, that was the beginning of my beat-making process. That was the beginning of me kind of finding my voice with the production. And where I am now in comparison to then, you know, because I started recording that album maybe three years ago. Yeah. You know, I had only been making beats for like a year when I really dove into that. And, you know, where I am now is definitely a step up, but I'm, I'm so excited for people to hear, hear some music that is completely me, completely my vision. And a change in mantra was kind of the beginning of that in a way, even though like it was recorded afterwards, after I did a change in mantra and I did all the mixing, I went back to autopilot and did some remixing because I was, I knew more, you know what I'm saying? I was more in tune with how I wanted things to sound. So I went back and did some extra things and I think it turned out very, very well. Well, it's funny. You had a line about, losing a hard drive or something. And I was like, oh, yep, that's the tour we were supposed to go on together. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Because <laughs> our, sh- our shit was supposed to drop at the same time. And uh, yeah. you, you were like, all right, um, I don't think I'm going to be able to finish this record for a while now. I'm like, ah, it's okay. I think that was four figures of speech, and I didn't end up doing anything, really. Yeah, that was, I had a huge hard drive crash. and Like, recovering everything was fucking hell. Because I think this album was actually supposed to be out maybe a year ago already. Yeah. Um, maybe a little more. This COVID thing kind of pushed everything back because I was originally going to drop it in the spring and then COVID hit and there was like no idea of what the future was going to hold and then I kind of just got on my shit and like, you know, fuck it. Like I wasn't going to tour with the record anyway so it's like, does it really affect me that much? You know what I'm saying? So like, let's get it on and get it out, you know? Yeah, might as well, especially if you're still creating. I mean, the way you've been cranking out projects. I mean, you've dropped three different beat tapes in this period as well. Yeah. Beauty and Evolution, yeah. Beats for You 1 and 2. Are the beat tapes more a compilation of just odds and ends, or are they specifically like, all right, I made this batch to flow together? Well, the Beauty and Evolution, actually, those are super early beats. That was kind of my announcement to the world that I'm a producer now. Yeah. Uh, for the beauty and evolution. And really, those beats, like, honestly, um, those are like some of my earliest beats, like beat 30 and 35. And <laughs> Damn. Like some of the earliest production that I did. I mean, and that's their names, like, on my computer. Beat 35 is, you know, a song on beauty evolution. Beat 32, like, there was a, a time period when I got to a place where I felt, okay, I can make the kind of music that I would listen to as instrumental hip hop music. Yeah. So let me start to, you know, like experiment with that side. And 
from was the beginning of that. Like none of those beats I made that were on there were made to be rapped to or sung to. Like I made those to be instrumental oh, okay. pieces. But for beats for you one and two, those are just kind of a compilation of beats that I either didn't want anyone to rap to, but I couldn't come up with anything. So I thought they were dope enough to just put out as instrumentals. That was Beats For You 1. That was that mindset. Beats For You 2 was some of my weirder production that I wasn't planning on writing to, but I love to listen to, you know, which is why, like, the intro of it talks about, you know, I feel something kind of strange. Like, I feel something weird, too. Like, those were a little more out there production. And just kind of trying to show my range, you know, as a producer, because people know me as a rapper. So, you know, before Autopilot drops, I want people to have in their minds that I'm a, I'm a producer as well. How do the fans react when the Got Lyrics guy is putting out instrumental records? They love it. The crazy thing is, like, because it's not something that I've been hiding, so the process of this, even in the earlier things, I would post clips on Instagram of beats that I was making and things like that. So people kind of, they saw that it was happening. And once I started putting instrumental things out, I think people were excited. I mean, selling beats at that time, it started to increase because people saw that, oh, he has different styles. He can actually, you know, the shit actually sounds dope, sounds good. It was really cool. You know, like, the Beauty and Evolution was the first time that people had ever heard me do any songs over my own production as well. Yeah. So that was, that's why I did kind of a mixture there as the first piece of instrumental slash, you know, vocal music that I put out was to show, like, you know, I'm producing, this is what I'm going to kind of sound like over my own production. You know, what do you think? You know what I'm saying? And the fans definitely like it. I mean, it helped that it was, you know, with the band camp days and all of that, that they're doing, which I think is really dope. Like, I wanted to have something special for those particular days to, you know, drive traffic, as well as give my fans something fresh and new, you know, at least for the first couple months until I get into this campaign for autopilot. You also just snuck one in there the other day that I haven't even got to listen to yet. The, the Casagrama interpretations, am I saying that right? So what's this record about? Well, this is interesting because this is actually about 10 years old. It was recorded and written during the time that I was recording and writing all of the songs for Capture the Sun and all of the Preparing for Capture album. Oh, okay. And it was when I first got my computer and interface and microphone, so when I first could record myself is when I actually did that. And it was actually a project that was just an experiment of me mixing my own vocals and being able to play with my vocals, being able to play with reverb, learning the process of using all of those things. And I used Flying Lotus's Cosmogram album as choices for songs to do. And it's crazy because like at that time, I hadn't really listened to any Flying Lotus music. And I know that he had put out a few albums prior to that. And I heard an EP that he did that was called a Reset EP and became an instant fan and started to search for his music. And I came across Cosmogramma, which is a full-length album. It's 
more like electronic, not really boom bap hip hop kind of stuff. And listening to it, I was like, oh, it'd be cool to, you know, do some songs over some of these beats. And I chose really the weirdest beats that were on the album <laughs> to challenge myself in writing in different patterns and, you know, doing different things and also as an exercise in mixing. And I was never planning on putting it out. When I did it, you know, it was so weird and so out there and so different, but it fit together so well that I was planning on doing a short film for it because it's like 15 minutes long. And at the time, I wasn't in a position to financially afford to do everything that I wanted to do with it. So I kind of just shelved it. And coming up on this Bandcamp day, I thought like, you know, why not? You know, send it to be able to, you know, see what people think about this because it was a lot of experimentation, me singing, me mixing my vocals in interesting ways. Like it's, it's one of the most original pieces of music that I've ever put out. So did you do any remixing in 2020 or is this the original uncut version? It's the original uncut version. I wasn't even using the same DAW that I'm using now and I don't even think I have like the files of it. You know, it was the it's the original from 10 years ago. That's cool. It's a little time capsule. Yeah. Well, the great thing about having people back on is that we get to catch up a little bit, but then we get to dive more into the actual project that we're here to talk about. So Autopilot, man, I've played through it about four times now. I think it might be my favorite thing <laughs> in your catalog. But I, I, haven't, I haven't heard all your records, but I mean, I've got a good chunk. And uh, man, it is really a great piece of work. So congratulations, first of all, on this record. I know what kind of work you put into it. I can really hear it, man. It comes through. Thanks, man. I, I, I really appreciate that. Like, the thing is, like, I really want the fans to love it, but it really makes me feel like the best when my peers like you and, like, Ill Poetic and Print and all the people that have heard it that are, like, the people that I hope that as MCs, like, they listen to it. And if they tell me it's dope, then I already know that I have something special. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it really means a lot that the people that I respect as MCs and as artists are listening to it. Like, you know, many people, you're not the first one to tell me, like, this might be my favorite record from you. You know what I'm saying? And that really means a whole hell of a lot. Yeah, I mean, you are one of those writers that makes me rewind the track. You know, like, I'm, I'm interviewing Casual tomorrow, uh, from Hyro, and it's the oh, s- same shit. Like, bo- both of you guys have really, really dense lyrics. It's the kind of stuff that I like to listen to when I'm writing, when I'm feeling creative, because just like hearing the patterns and the way you put words together, it's always elevated. It's always unique. It's always different than the last one. And this is another one in that great progression of albums where it's just like god damn he keeps topping himself (laughs) (laughs) i mean that's the thing like that's why we do it right you know what i'm saying there's no reason to get involved in any kind of art any kind of sport if you don't continue to try to get better and you know that's why i love watching basketball players that's why i love watching football players and track runners to see their progression and see them grow and you know a great example of the fact that LeBron is 
at the peak of what is supposed to be like the top of as far as age range of performance in basketball. And the dude just keeps getting fucking better, man. Like, <laughs> you know, he just changes his game. That's how Jordan was. He just changed the game a little bit because I'm not as fast as I used to be. I'm not as strong as I used to be, but I can do this now. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's just one of those things where why get into it if you are already planning to plateau? Like, I don't have a plan to plateau. <laughs> I'm going to write until... I have no more thoughts to write down. And every time that I record over a track, I'm trying to do something different. I'm trying to be better than I was on the last track that I record, be different and be better. And doing this project, it really pushed me to that. It really pushed me to that. And I'm excited about it. I love that you say that. I mean, because really, to me, I get the most satisfaction of that sort of competition with yourself. You know, you're always trying for that personal best you're always trying to surprise yourself i was listening to this record yesterday going if i was to describe this you know because you've got a lot of different styles right the stuff you do with intellectual is different than the lucid logic stuff you know and and the stuff you do with print is greenhouse is so different you know i mean there's all these different styles but but to me this one record i could only describe it as timeless hip-hop you know what i'm saying like it's sample heavy but it draws on multiple eras. It it doesn't sound, you know, like the Lucid Logic stuff was really super melodic, and, and you've got melodic stuff on this record. Um, you guys even did a song together on it, but it doesn't lean too far in that direction. It, do, it doesn't lean super heavy in, like, lo-fi boom-bap sampling, but there is a lot of boom-bap sampling. The break beats are really strong. I mean, there's just, there's a lot going on that's just everything I like in hip-hop. And so that's why when I was trying to put a word on it, timeless is what I kept coming back to. Is like, this just is the hip-hop that I, as a listener, want to hear. All right, man, that's, that's freaking great. Tell me about the sample that opens the record. The cool thing about it, because a lot of the samples are not samples. A lot of that is me playing. Well, but the, it starts with a vocal sample, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. The vocal sample, I got that from a documentary I was watching about artists and about different type of creators and designers. And uh, that episode that I watched, like, really spoke to me about, you know, how I view my art. I have pieces that are amazing to listen to, but none of them are stagnant. Everything that I consider, like, some of my best writing, some of my best work, requires some type of movement. You know what I'm saying? Whether it's moving your thoughts, whether it's moving your body, whether it's putting your hands in the air, things of that nature. Like, it was a quote that kind of read to me what I was doing as an artist with this record. And what I've been doing for my whole career with my art. The lady that's talking, she does concerts and she does like set design for concerts. So it was more talking about the performance of her pieces as opposed to them you know, sitting in an art gallery. You know what I'm saying? Like, when she says, like, the things that I create are not the things, it's the people and how they interact with the things that I create. And that's really what I really try to do with all of my art and with this piece because I had my hand in every part of it. I could really sculpt it into what I wanted the crowd to interact with. 
that's one of those interesting things about this time right now too is because so much of that is just going to be virtual for the time being and and who knows after this too what the live interaction is going to change and evolve into it's just so great to have those dialogues with people and find the ways that it touches people that you might have not even expected yeah yeah that's the important part of doing music i think overall like you never know how what you're doing is going to affect the person that's going to listen to it or even if you're you know a painter like you never understand what the effect that your piece is going to have on the audience that actually looks at it and draws from it it's one of the satisfying things about doing art you know people's interaction with your with your work kind of reminds me sort of a different angle but of this old george carlin quote where he was asked about his writing style and he said you know he used to be really proud of himself thought of himself as a, as a performer who writes his own material and then he's like the more that i evolved though in my creative process the more i started to think of myself as a writer who performs his own material and that's very much how i feel about it is that this is sort of the sacred process of here in the studio and then everything on top of that is just sort of bonus for me you know i feel that i definitely feel that i wanted to ask about is either the first or second song you've got a aesop sample in the hook it sounds like is that right yeah must not sleep it's the first actual song on the record which will be the first single um conquer the climb that just spoke to the whole process of creating the record you know there was nights on like a tuesday where i'm up till like two three in the morning trying to get this mix right yeah you know what i'm saying um, there was a lot of time invested in the record to get it to a point where i felt like it was as perfect as it could be where I was more worried about the perfection of my craft than actually sleeping. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So oh yeah, it, I know. It, yeah. I mean, that's the danger when you have the home studio set up is like, it's just always there. And so it's so easy to just fucking be out there until, Oh shit, the sun's coming up. I got to stop, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Many of those nights. Is there, a particular favorite song that you have on this record? Something that was surprising or challenging or? Honestly, um, Out of This World was the last addition to the record. Really? Yeah. There's a previous version of the record that has two different songs on it. Out of This World was not on the original version of the album. And there was another song that I took off. There's actually three other songs that were on the record that are not on the record. It's crazy because the original incantation of the album I sent it to print. He was the first one who I sent the whole thing to, and he sent me, like, a full album review of each song going oh, wow. into detail. A couple of the other songs that I had on there, print was telling me, like, you know, this song kind of, you know, piggybacks on the last song, and it's a little too much of the same kind of feel, you know, things like that. So, weirdly enough, like, I was recording songs for a new record, and... I ended up recording Out of This World and a couple other songs. Out of This World was one of those songs that just kind of stood out. And I was thinking like, okay, this is really cool. It's different from anything that's on autopilot, but it would show a different range. It's still in the same vein as far as 
the kind of lo-fi sample gritty sound you know i put it into the rotation and it just fucking fit you know what i mean so i think out of this world is probably one of my favorite songs on the album mainly because of how it kind of sticks out like a sore thumb in a weird way but it still fits in the flow of the record but you know um, what it is to me it's the so alive of this record it like yeah i'm dancing in the kitchen do, <laughs> doing the dishes and st- like I, you know i put the record on twice in a row yesterday just while i'm doing stuff around the house and that song both times i'm just like i'm moving around the house and i was like dude this has to be a single like please make this a single like people need to hear this song because it's so i feel like it's so on brand and also so unexpected at the same time yeah because even the style that i use like the way that i use my voice in the song it's almost sing-songy but it's not it's like it's really weird i like i've never done anything like it you know before or since and it just has this groove to it you almost have to move you know what i mean but on shrine to ego you have hints of that you have the low vocal and then you put a higher more melodic vocal over the top of it and it's kind of just like an interlude right because when i was listening to it again and again that song would come on and i'd be like oh is this that one i was like wait no this is over already this is a different one and then when it comes back it hits me so it's almost like the warm-up you know like shrine to ego is sort of like the change in mantra leading up to autopilot but it's leading up to out of this world later in the record you know yeah, like doing that song, Trying to Ego, it's like only a minute long. Yeah. One of the things that I learned doing Man Who Thinks With His Own Mind is being comfortable with experimenting with my voice. Yeah. That encouraged me to stretch a little bit in how I delivered songs and how I delivered lyrics. Because even Trying to Ego, the way that I delivered the verse on Snooze over the really fast up-tempo like, a lot of that stuff was birthed out of me doing the album with Intellectual and him kind of giving me the freedom to do whatever the hell I wanted to do and experiment as much as I wanted to experiment. And I reined it in a little bit on this record, but it's still like flashes of that and me kind of getting into a pocket with it. You know what I'm saying? And trying to ego and out of this world definitely like hit those pockets where I could play around with my voice and play around with melody with my voice and play around with harmony with my voice and and those kind of things and those are two of my favorites just because they stand out so much well I think that's a great point that you make about having done certain experimental projects that kind of add to your toolbox because and I've said this a million times on this show before but I mean there are certain late career records that could not have existed in any other time, right? And it sort of paints a picture using all the colors in the palette. You're, you're drawing on little bits of every record before it, and it's kind of all rolled into one in a great way. And I think that, you know, the way you said it is, is great that, you know, I've done this experimentation. There's shades of it, but it's more focused. And so it's not right. like this is a return to form from those collaborative records and, oh, it's all stripped down one thing. It does have an ebb and a flow and there's wild sounding beats here and there and there's melodic vocals here and there and there's all kinds of different things going on. But it has a cohesion and it's, I guess, grounded in a way that sort of ties it all together. 
that's kind of the thing that I noticed about being able to be my own producer. You know what I'm saying? Making my own beats to where I can manipulate things. You know, because, like, Shrine the Ego, for example, originally the drum break was different, and in order to make it fit in the mood and the ebb and flow of the album, I changed up the drums, added a couple things to fit it in there and to make it, you know, flow with everything else. There's a lot of beats in there that originally, when I first did them, they were a lot less, you know, explorative as they are in the finished product. Just because, like, okay, now I have this group of 11 songs. Actually, it was 14 in the beginning. You know, like, how can I create peaks and valleys within the songs themselves? Yes. Also you know, creating peaks and valleys with the entire song throughout the album and being able to go back in and resequence things and, oh, let me add a drop here or add this vocal sample here. Like, originally, Out of This World didn't have that vocal sample in the middle that kind of bridges the two verses and kind of gives a more broad outlook of the song itself. You know, that was added, like, with this being the last song that was added to the album, that was added like probably a couple days before I sent it to mastering. Oh, wow. Because I'm like, I need a break in here and I want this song to be more epic. You know, how can I do that? And adding that piece, like kind of added to the song and gave it a, a bigger, you know, punch on the album, in my opinion. I'm curious if you have any insight to the song Another Day. I feel like that's another real standout track. Another Day was an interesting piece. Because when I wrote it, it was a long day at work. Yeah. <laughs> and um, if I'm not mistaken, I think, like, me and my wife, we were having a tiff. And I was counseling some friends. And it was a lot of things going on in that process. And it's a very short song. I think the two verses are maybe 8 to 12 bars a piece or something like that. But it was one of those exercises in, I have a lot to say, but I'm going to say everything I have to say in the least amount of words as possible um, yeah. to give it a punch. It was just a lot going on in my life, <laughs> you know, at the time. And, you know, I just felt like every day was just so heavy that I got used to it. And everything just became just another day in my life. I got my sister-in-law, she's actually singing the hook with me on there. And the beat itself, like, it was kind of an organized chaos kind of beat that I made at the time. And it fit the mood of everything that I was feeling at the time. And it just, it came out like it did. And I'm really happy with that song as well. Yeah, I mean, even just being probably the second shortest song on the record, it's still... Content-wise, vibe-wise, I mean, and kind of to segue into uh, the last song I wanted to talk about, it, it reminded me a little bit of Superstition's record that came out last year that was also on, on my list. It's just grown-up rap shit, you know? It's the kind of stuff that right. um, I feel like a lot of us are going through right now, and it it helps to hear somebody else mirroring those experiences and those feelings, you know, and putting putting your thoughts into words before you did, you know, or in a different way than you did or something, you know, I just, I love that stuff. As much as I just love to bar out, I also really, sometimes you just got to tap into uh, 
what you got to get off your chest. Yeah, definitely. That's one of the things about music is that whenever you find something that relates to where you are, like you latch onto it. And as creators, you know, we have those moments in our lives and it's just, it's a gift that we have to be able to put those things into words, you know, because everybody can't do that. Everybody can't put how they're feeling in song form or in word form. And that's one of the reasons that a lot of people, including myself, listen to music to have those mutual shared experiences, even though you may not know the person directly. Like you have those mutual shared experiences when you listen to the music because it's like, oh, I just went through that yesterday. I just, you know, I just dealt with that last week. You know, like there's certain things about creating content and creating music that people can relate to that has rewards that we don't even understand. You know, it's sort of the the cliche of like, oh, I'm sad. I'm going to listen to a sad song or something, you know, like, but by dwelling on it, through someone else's art, right? It yeah. enables you to kind of transcend it at the same time, you know, because you exactly. are you are then connecting with someone else, even who's not there, who maybe you don't know, like you said, but it's actually lifting you up over that instead of spiraling down into it alone, you know? Yeah, because it lets you know you're not alone. Yeah. You totally. know what I'm saying? Like, Listening to songs, like, I've gotten this compliment with Hate in a Puddle from Unforeseen Shadows. Like, people listening to that song, which is, my son heard it, and he was like, this is the saddest song I ever heard. You know? <laughs> like, but the fact that it's so sad is almost medicine to those that are feeling the same way, because it lets you know, like, okay, this person went through this situation, and they're still here. Yeah. They're still progressing. They're still being successful. So that gives me encouragement to know that this isn't going to last forever. You know what I'm saying? Like, they went through it, and they've come out on the other end as a better person. So I can do the same thing. There's a possibility for me to come out of the other end of this, you know, tragedy in my life or craziness in my life, and I'll still be okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a huge thing with music and with art, with movies, with all kinds of things. Like, people use to escape and also use to encourage them that, you know, trouble don't last always. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to be okay. That's so true. Wade through the water. I have to, you know, get through the storm. I haven't really thought about it in that way, but that's so true that the fact that someone else is up there. I mean, hip hop is so autobiographical, right? So, someone just being up there and going to that place, but they're still standing out there. They're out there playing shows. They're on tour. They're dropping a record. And so you're like, yo, this dude got through it though. You know, like I could get out of bed today, you know, (laughs) it's because there's there's like a, it's an inspirational thing, but there's an aspirational quality too of like, oh, well, if I can think about it this way, then, you know, maybe I can get over the hump too. Yeah, it goes back to that whole thing about thinking your way into success. Yeah. Like, change how you think about things, you know, and music gives you tools to use, you know, interviews, uh, movies, like, it gives you tools to use and things to think about to change how you think about life in certain ways and give you inspiration to continue on whatever path you're on, 
because you know that you're not alone. You know you're not the only one that has ever experienced a breakup. You know you're not the only one that has ever experienced a divorce or a death in the family or stress or, you know, whatever. Like, you know that it's not just you. You're not crazy. It's okay to be depressed right now, but I'm not going to stay here. Yeah. Because I don't have to. You know what I mean? So, on the uplifting, more exciting note you don't have any guest rappers throughout the whole record but you combine them onto this one track with print and superstition i remember when it was either you or superstition that posted like the song you guys were working on together and i thought it was just the two of you and i was like oh that's an exciting combination i want to hear that and then when i put on the record i'm like oh shit the trifecta like this is great and you know <laughs> like the beat knocks well and you you start rapping before the drums even hit and just come with really god do you remember what is your opening line on that song it's like really uh i feel like it's a like a picturesque kind of line i could pull it up um yeah um well the song is called canvas yeah so my first line is um cleaning my brushes prepping the canvas Strategic approach, no rushing the stances. Yes. The masterpieces, yeah, like, yeah. I love it, I love it. And I also love that you uh, throw Cam back at the end of it, too, because, well, I got a kick out of it, too, just the idea of, like, you know, I featured you on my record, right? Um, <laughs> but I also featured Print on my record. I featured Superstition on my record. <laughs> so it's like, you know, I, I love that the dudes I feature are also featuring the other dudes that I feature, like we all just like look it out for each other. Like, Oh yeah, this dude's great. I want to get him on a track. And then, uh, that you have him close the, the song out because he's just such a monster with the pen. Like dude, just like, a phenomenal closer. Like, no, n neither of us, neither <laughs> could have followed stupid person. Oh, it's so good. You know what I'm saying? Like he just goes in for like a minute and a half, just, just bars, but it's so much substance in the bars. Like, yes. He's got to be one of the greatest, man. Like, he's one of the best writers that I personally know. Well, and I love it, too, because both you and Supa have those lines that are woven into the chorus with the scratch hook, right? And then, yeah, yeah. but then Prince's last line, like, drives it home so hard and then kind of sets it up and he just fucking knocks it out. It's a really dope song. Like, I was really happy. And that's why it was the only guest appearance of other rappers. I was like, okay, if I do another one, it has to be better than this one. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, right. Or it has to be just as good. Like, why you bother know, like, at that point? Right. Exactly. So that's one of those joints. Like, it's good to have, you know, Cats. And it's the longest song on the album, too. Um, and and it does to not... be able to borrow out with some of my friends. And it does not overstay its welcome at all. It's yeah, every second is giving you something to chew on. I really, really like it. And even even just like with the simple scratch hook, I mean, it just lets you digest what the dude just said, you know, before you go on to the next guy. And yeah, man, it's just a great meeting of minds. And I, again, I really hope that that turns out to be a single too, because I I think both that and Out of This World are just really, really great, like eye catching songs. It's crazy because that wasn't the original beat for it. Oh, I really? actually recorded that my verse to another beat that was a little more subdued and didn't have the movement. And 
I originally sent the original to print because he did his verse first, Super did his verse last. And um, when I made this beat, because just the way that it moves, like the bass line is all weird. And like, it's actually, a, it's, it's interesting. Like this beat is one of the biggest experiments as far as my production on the, the album. Yeah. Um, because like the bass line is actually a reversed sample that I used and put like this weird effect on it and then filtered it all the way down so it could be the bass. Like it's a lot of like crazy things. Like this whole album was, because I was new in production, it was a lot of experimentation with how to create sounds out of samples and how to play things and turn them into samples. And it was a real like eye-opening experiment. You know, this whole record, like the production of it was, you know, one of those things that I'll definitely look back and see like this was, this was when I really like got into learning how to produce songs. Yeah. And, you know, in the process, produce an entire album. Well, and I think even the song that, kind of segues into it is a pretty wild beat too the Aphex Twin yeah. song that's another song that I experimented with the sounds you know heavy effects like it's a lot of effects on every song on this record um, as far as the production goes for one I didn't want to have to deal with sample clearance yeah. you know what I'm saying but also I wanted to see what I could turn these sounds into like I said a lot of this was experimentation in my early days of production so learning about saturation and learning about distortion and learning about all of these things that can create melodic sound in weird ways that mess with our ears and you know like listening to this album in headphones which I think everyone should at least the first listen there's a lot going on you know, that goes from ear to ear. There's a lot going on, just little sounds that are there that create this beautiful backdrop of all of this music. Like, that's one of the things when Print first heard the record, he was like, this is definitely a headphone album, you know, because there's so much going on in the production that you can miss if you're just listening to it in your car or, you know, just like on a home stereo. And it still sounds good that way as well, but catch all the little nuances of the production and you know even the mixing of the vocals and all of that stuff like the little distortion here and there and the delays and reverbs and all of that stuff like it's definitely a lot of painstaking work but i'm so happy with the with the outcome of the whole thing it's funny that you say that about like how you listen because i know that there's always so much intent behind that on what every creator envisions for how it should be heard and like right. when, when like i put it on out here i've got my critical ear on and i'm sitting here in in front of my monitors you know and that like that's just the environment that i'm in and so when i listened to it after that i burned it to a cd and i put it in my living room on the big speakers that's when i was like just bouncing around the house you know grooving to it because to me that is like a separate experience from you know sitting here at the desk and analyzing whatever it's like no i want to go and just enjoy and right i'm not driving anywhere right now so like living room it is <laughs> but uh yeah totally had a different experience you know being able to walk around the house and and really crank it up hear it on the subs and and really let those beats hit man i just i love the drums on this record they're so good that's one of the things that i always when i started producing i was like if nothing else 
my drums got to be banging. You know what I'm saying? Like, my yes. choice in breaks, how I mix the drums, the drums have to be hitting. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I really paid close attention to the drums on this record. I think every song, for the most part, is, like, a chopped-up break other than the depth and and out of this world. I did those drums myself, but everything else, for the most part, is a chopped-up break. And that's a big reason that I fell in love with it, I'm sure, because I just, coming from the background of playing in bands first and stuff, you know, the hip-hop I've always been drawn to is that live energy of, of the drummer and the groove and the swing and all that that you just miss a lot of times when things are programmed. And man, with an album that's so experimental, sonically, I feel like it's one of those things that does ground it and bring some consistency song to song. Well, hey, man, I feel like we've pretty much covered it. This is coming out a week ahead of the album release. I think this is coming out the 13th, and yours drops October 20th, right? Yep, October 20th, 2020. Man. The and I'm going to try to do a lot of like fun things with this record. Like the uh, Conquer the Climb is going to be the first single, and um, I'm going to do a remix contest. So by the time this airs, that should already be going on. I'm going to put the, the remix on Spotify and you oh, know, nice. like get the person that wins the remix contest, you know, some spins and things like that. So it's going to be fresh. Like the campaign for this is going to be dope. And I'm really excited. I'm really excited for it. All right. That is our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. Shout out to Elogic for coming on and breaking down the songs from the new album. As always, if you enjoyed the show, you can help spread the word, put us in your stories, give us a little shout out, give us a five-star rating on iTunes. You can check out Elogic every week on Super Duty Tough Work, and you can pre-order his new album, Autopilot, comes out next week. We're going to play you off with the track that we just spoke about from the new record. It's called Out of This World.
clouds and find us Just the fragrance of a star that's seeming to remind us That we're so out of this world Out of this world Sometime in the future A spaceship from Earth will explore the far reaches of our galaxy These pioneering spacefarers will be on the ultimate voyage Theirs will be a journey Stars alive, signal bouncing off of satellites in tune to freedom mind. The world is smaller than you think that's in the grand scheme. A speck of dust in God's dreams, surfing universes, how we pass in time. Exploring galaxies for hours, media showers to keep it clean. See, I propose with Saturn's rings while we up in the skies. They'll never bring us down to earth again. Say goodbye to all your family and friends, cause we out of this we world. We live on another planet. Every orbit is the palette for another canvas. See, we're so out of this world. Out of this world. and find us just the fragrance of a star that's seeming to remind us that we're so out of this world out of this world we live on another planet every orbit is the palette for another campus see we're so out of this world out of this world Come out to the clouds and find us Just the fragrance of a star that's seeming to remind us That we're so out of this world Out of this world <laughs>